0: Who's Ready to Hear an Inspirational Intermittent Fasting Story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 84 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Natalie. Natalie is from Pennsylvania, but is currently in Germany, where her husband is stationed, and she works as a receptionist in a medical facility there. Welcome, Natalie.
1: Hi, Jen. It's so good to meet you and be here.
0: It's great to talk to you as well. So let's jump right in, and I'd love for you to tell us what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that?
1: Okay, so my story kind of starts, you know, I've always been overweight, you know, I was looking back in elementary school and high school I was always the bigger girl I guess and I went to catholic school so our class sizes were very small so it is very noticeable I guess that I was chunkier I wouldn't say I was morbidly obese or anything but definitely overweight so starting junior senior year of high school is when I really started like okay I need to do something so I tried counting calories, working out, that kind of thing. And I actually joined the military in the Army National Guard my junior year of high school.
0: Oh, wow. Was that part of because you you thought it would help you get in shape? What was your inspiration?
1: A little bit of that, but I come from my parents who are in the military. I have grandparents, uncles, aunts that were in the military. So I come from a military background. I was just really felt a calling one day to just go for it. So that's what I did. Well, that's
0: awesome. I'm 50. I don't always like to to ask people their ages, but are you a similar age to me?
1: Are you? I'm 28. So. Oh, well, that would be a no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a a little bit younger. (laughs) Definitely.
0: The reason I asked is just because... You know, just it helps put it into the context of what diet eras you've been through and everything, you know. So 28. So
1: you joined the Army National Guard in junior high school. How long were you were you in that? It was a six year contract. So I joined my junior year. I went to basic the summer before my senior year. And then I came back, finished high school. And then I went to my military training school that following November. I had to put college on hold because National Guard is just one weekend a month and two-ish weeks in the summer. So it's not like an active duty where I'm reporting every day for those that don't know the difference.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good distinction because I'm not sure I could have told you that either. But you, so you did that before senior year and then put college on hold for a while,
1: you said? I put it on hold for a year because I left for the training for my job in the military that November. So I had to put it on hold for a year. And then you went off to college. And what happened then? That's when I really started the different dieting things. So This is embarrassing to say, but Mike. My- Do not be embarrassed.
0: Probably everything you've tried, our listeners have tried, and then more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because it might have been like, either online or like watching Dr. Oz, you know, something like that, if, if I'm allowed to say his name. I don't know. You can. Well, I watched it too. I recorded it on my DVR
0: every day and looked for whatever his new miracle product was going to be. So I get it.
1: <laughs> right. So I saw some kind of magic hill. So I went online and I don't know if I clicked like a wrong link or something, but my card actually got compromised because the pills were supposed to be coming from China. So, so that was embarrassing. I did more towards my last year of college. My roommates and I decided to do that lemonade cleanse where you just drink that lemonade concoction for like five days straight. Did you make yours with maple syrup and cayenne pepper? Yeah, it was funny because my roommates and I, we went to, we have a store called Giant Eagle here and we all went to buy our bags of lemons and we were so excited. And I think I think I lasted the longest. I think I lasted two days. And after the first day, those guys were like, no, we we can't do this. (laughs) Well, knowing what
0: we know now, we realize, huh? No, that was terrible. (laughs) It was. You're like almost fasting, but not at all.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I met my husband while in college. He actually joined the military active duty my last year of school. Yeah, I think it was my last or my junior year, then going into my senior year. We got married my senior year. This was in 2013, September 2013. He went off to Washington and I stayed behind to finish my degree because I only had one semester left. So 2014 is when I moved to Washington, Washington State. I'm moving from Pennsylvania to the complete opposite side of the country as a freshly graduated 21, 22 year old. And your husband was stationed in Washington State? Yes, yes. And so that's when, again, still trying different diets. I became a health and wellness coach for a well known MLM. Without saying their name, what was their premise? Like,
0: what was this one about? We could probably guess, but don't say their name, but just tell us what, what it involved.
1: Workouts and shakes. I know which one. Yes. So that was great for a little bit. It helped me stay motivated. I met some amazing friends, but it was great until it wasn't. The pressure when you put out that you're this health and wellness coach, just the pressure to always be on top of your game, always be on top of your nutrition, people seeing your posts, you know, about working out. It's like, how dare you take a day off or you know, you push through, if you're feeling sick, you still work out, you push play. And that is mentally and emotionally, it was very draining. I can really imagine that, you know, I've never been
0: heavily involved in the working out community. I just managed to avoid it. I mean, I was a dancer growing up, but that it was not the same kind of a thing for me. I didn't feel it. Probably some people do, but I didn't. But I know what you mean about feeling that guilt. And The good news is when you said that, I started thinking, you know, that's kind of like for me, I have the pressure of staying a certain size because I'm Jen Stevens and I wrote a (laughs) book. The good news is though, it's not hard. (laughs) I don't have to worry, you know, I don't have to like stress about it, you know, but I know that that must have been really stressful to try to keep it up.
1: Yes. And you're eating this, you know, three meals a day, snacks, you have your shakes, you have your pre-workout. And I've heard you talk about how you're wondering when the like during workout supplement is coming. They have it. They have it. Someone else told me that too. As soon as
0: they heard me say that, they sent me a message. They're like, guess what? It's here. Pretty soon we'll have our middle of the night nutrition that we're supposed to set our alarms and wake up and take, right?
1: Pretty much, right? And they had the recovery that you're supposed to take 30 minutes before bed. And it was my poor, you know, I think, look back, my poor digestive system. It never got a break, you know? ever. So I did that for a little bit. And then I kind of backed off of that for a little bit and eventually quit. So that was 2014, 2015, 2015, my husband and I, we started to try and get pregnant and start a family. I've always wanted a family, you know, I have three other siblings. So I always wanted to have a family and it was a lot harder than expected. We tried for a year, and then I went to see my doctors. It's like it's nothing's happening. So they referred me to a fertility specialist, and we did all the tests. I started taking Clomid, which is for those that don't know, it's supposed to help you ovulate. Still, nothing was happening. Did you have a,
0: a like a formal diagnosis? For example, were you polycystic ovarian syndrome or anything like
1: that? No, they put me in the unexplained category. My husband, they did tested him. He was fine. So it was just unexplained which was very frustrating.
0: Oh, I know it has to be. We hear this story a lot in the, in the modern day and a lot of women do go through this. So it was unexplained and you were just going through the treatments.
1: Right. And I fell into very depressive and emotionally, I was just a wreck probably more than I realize. My husband at one point called my mom and was like, is there any way you can come out here? She needs you. Like that's, I was very bad. I was getting very bad
0: that was great of him to recognize because it probably was hard for you because you were away from your family support system as well.
1: Right, right. What a good man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's awesome. So through that, you know, you think, oh, if I just ate healthier, you know, this would help. But I was so emotionally involved that I just emotionally ate and ate. So that was very hard on me. Backing up a little bit, probably about twenty early twenty fifteen, I had heard about intermittent fasting. It wasn't the correct way. I was dirty fasting. Tried that for a little bit and it didn't obviously I didn't work because I was white knuckling through it because I wasn't clean fasting. So I tried that for a little bit, gave up. I'm just curious.
0: Back in twenty fifteen, there wasn't a ton out. What did you read or see? Do you remember?
1: I don't I just I just remember seeing About eating, starting at 12 and ending at
0: 8. Okay, that might have been like the 8-hour diet. That was kind of, that was out then. Okay, that was probably it.
1: I hadn't read much science behind it. I just saw, I think I was still a coach at that point, and somebody else was talking, somebody else in the coach group was like talking about it to give it a try. So yeah I think
0: the eight hour diet was really pop that that book was really popular right around that period of time, so that makes sense. A lot of people started with that, and I mean, I tried it certainly too. <laughs> but an eight hour an eight hour eating window without fasting clean was just not a recipe for weight loss for me, not at all
1: <laughs> right, no, not for me either. Finally got pregnant in September of, that would be 2016. We did IUI. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we tried IUI. It took our second attempt to finally conceive. And then we had our son in June of 2017. So we're still in Washington at that point, about a month and a half after I had my son, my husband got orders to be stationed somewhere else. So we're moving all the way back across the country to Maryland, which was great because we'd be closer to family. I was working in Washington, but obviously with the move, I had to quit. And then then when we got to Maryland, we decided it was just better for me to stay home so we wouldn't have to worry about daycare or anything. I did that. I did the stay-at-home mom thing. I was breastfeeding and there's this misconception that if you're breastfeeding, the weight just falls off.
0: Yeah, that happens for a few people, but not universally, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Did not work for me. I kept on the pounds. I'd maybe lost a couple pounds after birth, but I kept them on. And with the move and everything, and then staying home, you know, I felt myself falling back into that like depressive state. Just because even though family was close, it was still a four-hour drive. And I'm a very shy person, so I don't go out and just meet people. It's not very easy for me. So I was very much a homebody. You know, we stayed home. We only had one car at the time, which my husband used for work. So, you know, we were stuck in the house, which was hard.
0: Oh, that is hard. You know, because you you do feel isolated. And I remember those days of having a young Baby, and then a a second baby for me. Mine were eighteen months apart, but you're at home with them, and it's you know the baby you've always wanted, but it's still very isolating. And then you feel bad for like feeling bad. It's about it, right? You know, like I wanted this baby. Why am I complaining? It is very isolating for women. So it's good that good that you're talking about that.
1: Yeah, especially since we had tried so hard to have him. Right, and you're like,
0: I can't complain. Yeah, this is what I always wanted. Why is it so
1: hard? Right. Yeah. So dealing with that, then I finally decided. All right, I need to get a weekend job just to get me out of the house, give me some adult interaction. And my husband was totally on board. He could stay home with my son on the weekend, so we again didn't have to pay for daycare or anything. So it was perfect. I got a job at Planet Fitness, working at the front desk. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to get to work out. One of the perks of employing there is a free membership. So how can I not work out working at a gym kind of mentality? At this point, I think I was also started Weight Watchers, so doing Weight Watchers, counting the points and everything. So Weight Watchers worked for a little bit. I hate counting. I hate counting calories. I hate counting points. I hate counting macros. It's just not not me. So it eventually stopped with Weight Watchers. And then, so I had the weekend job. My husband, he was on the enlisted side. And then he commissioned to become an officer in, this would be 2018, December of 2018, So with that, we knew he'd be leaving to go to school for that, to learn how to not be an officer, but an officer for his job and the schooling for that. And would he have to leave you behind to do that? So we are preparing for that. And then in end of December, early February of 2019, took a pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant. And then a couple days later started bleeding it was super early miscarriage, but it still affected me all the same. I was like, Oh my goodness, my body's finally doing what it's supposed to do on its own. I didn't have to do any treatments, take any drugs, take any shots. And then to have my world come crashing down later, it was, I was again in a bad, bad place. Those next following weeks, Bad emotional place. Yeah, absolutely. So dealing with that wondering when my husband was going to leave. It was either going to be in that February or June, which I'm thankful it didn't happen in February because that's when I had the miscarriage. And I think he would have either already been gone when that happened or leaving the following week.
0: Well, that's good that he was there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm glad he got to stay and we had more time at home, but we had already started like packing to prepare for the move. So our house was full of boxes we didn't feel like cooking meals so we were eating out a lot so the weight just kept piling on and it feels like once you're trapped in that cycle it just keeps going and going right like there was no stopping I'm an emotional eater so during that time I was emotionally eating you know everything went out the window at that point so fast forward he le- leaves in June so I had actually moved home back in Pennsylvania with my son So I had family. I would be with family, not just my son and I. That's when I decided this is time to work on me. Like I have my family. I have my mom and dad. I have my younger sister who was 20 at the time. She turned 21 this past September. So she's older, can help out. My little brother turned 16. So he's older and can help out. Like I have a lot of help. So I'm going to focus on me. So at that time, was that like your highest weight? Yes. Yes. I was a teetering about 195, 200 pounds. Okay. Did you
0: ever see crossing over that threshold? Did you ever see a two?
1: When I was pregnant, I saw the two. But after that, I didn't like stepping on the scale after pregnancy. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about that too, you know,
0: That's (laughs) you just don't want to see it at the beginning of your weight. And, you know, crossing that threshold, I like lied to myself for a long time. Like I'm not going to see that number. And then the day I got on and it said, not only was there a two, but it said 210. I was like, okay.
1: I'm sure I was above 200 at some point, you know, after pregnancy, but if you don't see it, you don't have to have to know. Right. Right. So I was about 195 when I started I'm going to get serious. So I took, you know, my pictures, my measurements, I started something. It's called Noom. I think they say Noom. Is it an app? Yeah, it's an app. It's kind of like Weight Watchers, but you're not counting points. They break up foods into green, yellow, and red. Green being like your veggies, your high proteins. The goal, they want to make you start choosing more green than yellow and red. And they count calories too. Like you have the app and it tracks your calories. Okay. But you still have to
0: log everything that you eat.
1: Yes. You still have to log, which again, I'm not, I don't like doing, but I was like, I can do this. Let's try this. So it wasn't long after that. I started early June probably. And then mid June is when I found your book. Now, how did you find it? I always love to hear. I was in a Facebook group. It was a budgeting financial kind of group. And you see a lot of posts about what's an easy way to lose weight or cheap meals, that kind of thing. It was one of those posts. And I was just clicking through the comments, trying to, you know, find the next best thing. And somebody commented, free delay, don't deny by Jen Stevens. Yay. Whoever you are. Thank you. (laughs) I have the screenshot on my phone still, so I could probably find out who it was. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, delay, don't, don't deny. That's what like really got me the don't deny part. I was like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. So I looked it up. I had joined my local library. So I went to the library. They had to get it from another library. So it took about a week for me to get the book in. Once I got the book in, I read it in under 24 hours. Like it was such an easy read.
0: I'm so glad.
1: I'm so thankful for, for you for writing that book because it has been life-changing. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. So I started June 28th. I jumped right in. I was doing 18 to 20 hour fast and I haven't looked back since.
0: I love it. So was the adjustment period easy for you or did, did you have some tough times at the beginning when your body was getting used to it? How did that feel?
1: Well, I guess I should back up a little bit because I had started intermittent fasting dirty, you know, dirty fasting while I was doing new. I'm not much of a coffee drinker, but I love my pre-workout. So I was like, you know, pre workouts okay, it's under, it's like 15 calories. Yeah, that rule, that rule people say, as long as it's, quote, under 50
0: calories. Yeah, And I'm like, listen, people, think about this. If that was the rule, you could just sit there and eat celery all day. And is that fasting? It is not. <laughs> I mean, look at the cow and the field grazing animals. They're eating grass. That is very low calorie. And they're maintaining... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the calories but anyway we hear that
1: so much you know yeah so I had lost about seven pounds before finding your book so I was like 195 I dropped down to like 188 ish right before I started clean fasting. So once I read your book it clicked made total sense. So there wasn't much of an adjustment period just because even though I was dirty fasting I had already was used to you know doing the fast so really your adjustment period probably felt better really soon yeah yeah it was not bad at all and I had gotten a job busing and waitressing at a local it's called the historic summit Inn, so it's kind of like a kind of like a local place my sister worked there too so I was busy you know on my feet I didn't have to I wasn't just sitting at home counting down the clock you know
0: That's helpful. Yeah, because when you're first starting off, that's one of the struggles for many. You know, we see that, especially over the weekend, people, will, you know, their posts will pick up in the Facebook groups about the struggles of, you know, I'm bored. What can I do? And fasting is boring. And what can I drink that's not so boring? (laughs) Sorry, it's it's supposed to be boring. But if you're busy, then you don't think about that so much. Yeah, it was
1: definitely, definitely helped
0: to keep busy and keep my mind on things. All right. So you were you were around, what did you say, 188 when you started doing that in June, the end of June. So what happened with your weight after that?
1: It fell off pretty quick. I've lost about 30 pounds. I fluctuate between 165 and 170, which I'm perfectly okay with right now, just because we did just move to Germany in December right before Christmas. And we're still adjusting here. So I'm perfectly okay with maintenance kind of like a practice maintenance right now until we get completely settled and with like me starting my job soon you know i kind of just want to get into a routine and get settled before i really focus on dropping the rest of the weight i think i need to lose and i just did some quick math writing it down here on my paper and
0: so you've lost approximately four pounds a month, because we're recording this in February. So it really is about the
1: pace of about a pound a week. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. My weight loss definitely slowed end of November, December. My husband finally got home end of November. We traveled to go see his family and we're getting busy to get ready for our move to Germany and then the move to Germany itself, adjusting to the time difference. So I definitely mentally wanted to give myself some grace to, you know, get adjusted, get settled before really worrying about weight loss. And we also had the holidays in there and Thanksgiving and
0: Christmas and all the celebrations. So yeah. And I bet, you know, moving to a new place and enjoying the the food of the new place that would also that would do me in because I'd be like, I haven't tried all this
1: yet. I need to try it all. (laughs) And it's just amazing that I've been able to maintain because during the holidays, that's usually when all bets are out the window and you're gaining weight. I still average. I try to hit at least 20 hours, but I'm not as hard on myself if I don't.
0: Right. That's, you know, making it a lifestyle because it's the intermittent fasting lifestyle. And, you know, you can do some tweaking, along the way, if you're not losing the weight you want to lose, you may need to do a little something like for me, it was delaying the alcohol, it was delaying the processed foods that helped me reach my weight loss goals. But intermittent fasting is not just quote diet, you know, it's it's a lifestyle of when you eat, and then you can tweak to figure out what you need to do to accelerate the weight loss if you need to. So is, is that the point where you are going to find yourself soon doing some tweaking?
1: Oh, for sure. I definitely want to cut down on processed foods. I have a mean sweet tooth. I definitely like to cut down on that. I've been thinking about trying to do the Whole30, but maybe just not as strict like a true Whole30. I- actually a huge
0: fan of whole 30 as a as a protocol for an elimination protocol that's what I'm trying to say if you use it as an elimination protocol i think it can be really useful in pinpointing the foods that don't work well for your body
1: oh for sure yeah
0: have you tried it before have you have you experimented with it
1: i tried it before when we were in washington and i lasted week, week and a half, and then I was like, give me all the all the sweets, you know, I just I just couldn't keep with it. I just couldn't keep
0: with it. For me, if if that kind of thing were gonna really be successful for me, I would have to really enter it to the mindset of I am not doing this to lose weight. I'm doing this to figure out what foods work for me. And then like I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to reset all because I think that's that's the whole point of that is to reset all those cravings. Like like you're
1: talking about that sugar craving. I get it. Yeah. That's exactly why I want to do it because I know in my window I'm still eating too much processed junk and way too many sweets. So I definitely want to use it for that. I've really emphasized
0: in my new book, Fast Feast Repeat, I'm actually doing the final edit for it today, right before I talked to you, I was reading it. And (laughs) after I talked to you, I'm going to go back. I have like three days to do the final edit and get it back to my editor. But I have a section, a chapter in the feast section about ultra processed foods and why those are not ideal for us. And so delay, don't deny, that's the wording that I use. And that's still what I think of, but... Even though we don't deny, we have to still be smart about those ultra-processed foods. You know, I talked about in Delay, Don't Deny, I love Doritos. I still do. Even though my tastes have changed with food, I still love Doritos. I would still eat a lot of them if you gave me a whole bag of them. <laughs> yeah, our bodies don't tell us to stop until you feel sick. Like for me, I could eat Doritos till the whole giant bag was gone and I would not feel satisfied And it's because that's how ultra-processed foods work in our bodies. Our body doesn't recognize it as food.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely something I want to work on. My mom and sister are actually coming to visit next week. So I figured give myself some grace while they're here and then maybe start trying to clean up my eating a little bit after they leave. And then I think my husband actually has to leave for like a week after they leave. So I was like, that's perfect. I don't have to worry about feeding him. Like I can focus on just cleaning up my eating while he's away.
0: I think that's a great idea. And then if you really can go, you know, those thirty days with the the foods that and then start reintroducing things, you probably will find that you don't want those ultra processed foods like you
1: used to. Yeah, I hope I hope
0: so. <laughs> now I did say I do still love Doritos every time, but <laughs> But there are other ultra processed foods that I really have lost my taste for. And that's really the beautiful thing. Intermittent fasting has really helped with that. You know, it has to be window worthy for me to eat it.
1: Right. Yeah. See, I'm a picky eater originally, you know, so I'm hoping, you know, if I clean up my eating, maybe I can branch out and try and start to actually like something I wouldn't Dared touch years ago. I used to be a
0: super, super picky eater. And it's kind of astonishing to see how that's changed. I mean, when I was a kid, I would eat like Chef Boy RD, and I ate a lot of, you know, SpaghettiOs and beef, Beanie Weenies. I mean, I just ate. That's what my mother fed me. That's what I would eat without complaining. But it's amazing how I've changed with intermittent fasting. And I really, I've said this before, I think black coffee has helped me open my palate do you drink coffee i don't i can't
1: even you know with sugar and cream i just i can't stand the taste you just don't like the taste of it do you like the smell of it i do i love the smell of it i just can't see
0: okay there's my test if you like the smell of black coffee i bet you could train yourself to drink it our taste buds turn over and so like the taste buds you have right now that like the ultra processed foods more than anything you can change your taste buds, teach them to drink black coffee, and then that'll open up your palate to more bitter flavors.
1: No, I might have to give it a try.
0: So that's just a thought, just a, I really think that's what happened for me, because it wasn't until I really started liking black coffee that, that I was like, and I like Brussels sprouts, and I like you know this other thing I wouldn't have eaten before. And now I can just eat vegetables and you know, kale is delicious.
1: Yeah. See, that's, I wouldn't say that right now. Right. I would not have either. I like a few, like I like broccoli, cauliflower, peppers, that kind of thing, but Brussels sprouts, eh. but kale definitely not.
0: (laughs) I know. I mean, and even like arugula and all the bitter things that I would just absolutely was like, Oh my God, this is disgusting. Now I genuinely like it. And I I really do. I credit that to the black coffee (laughs) and the taste buds changing over, but it, you know, it took a while. It wasn't like day one. I wasn't like, man, this is delicious, but I think it really helped. That makes sense. And I know it's odd for, for me to say, hey, try coffee if you don't normally drink it. But I think if you like the smell, I mean, if somebody hates the smell of coffee, okay, you're probably not going <laughs> to
1: start to like it. Right. Yeah. Well, I love the smell of it. Love Like walking by Starbucks or any really coffee shop, I love the smell of it, but I just can't drink it. Right. I get it.
0: I get it. I couldn't either for so long. That really held me back. So. Anyway, just something to consider, something to think about in the future Trying those taste buds. And I think Whole30 will be a really good time for you to get rid of those processed flavors on your tongue. So that should help.
1: I think so, too.
0: Yeah. It'll give you more options with what you're trying. So, you know, what does a day look like for you now? What's your schedule?
1: Um, So I try to hit 20 hours. So I'll open around... 3 p.m. And then I try to close by 7. I don't like eating much past 7. So that's kind of just what I do. I've done a few longer fasts, 36. I think 42 has been my longest. Yeah, I think that's a, if you're going to do
0: longer fasts, I think 36 to 42 is a good range to, to try to stick in because that gives you time to have an up day at the end of the of the forty two hour fast, then you can have your two meals at least two or three on the up day. Yeah, that's when I when I did the up and down day strategy. I would either open with breakfast and it would end up being about thirty six, or I would wait till lunch and it was about forty two. So,
1: right, yeah, I've thought about trying ADF, but with us knowing where you were moving to Germany and that kind of. Deal. I was like, probably not the best time to try and do ADF.
0: Yeah, you really need to be in the right place for that. Like, you're you're like ready to do it. Yeah, I can see with the stress of a move, that might not be the best time.
1: So, I'm still thinking about it. Um, I was listening to Amy Garrison's episode this past week, and her story really resonated with me about the mentally and emotionally healing instead of worrying about releasing the weight, just focusing on healing mentally and emotionally really got to me because that's kind of where I've been these last, since December, since our move is I'm not worried about seeing the scale go down. I'm perfectly happy with where I am right now and just healing mentally and emotionally. I think that is such
0: an important part of it for us. And that's the mindset shift that I really hope to put out into the world I don't want people to feel bad for wanting to lose weight or feel like, you know, they shouldn't want to lose weight because of course we want to experience the world and the lean body that we can have, right? We want to get to our ideal bodies so that we feel good in our skin. But on the flip side, we don't want to be trapped in that diet mindset forever.
1: Right. And I still catch myself sometimes in that diet mindset because I still go to the gym. I like going to the gym. I like exercising. For me, sometimes I catch myself, oh, maybe I should go a little longer because I had this last night and I have to catch myself and be like, no, like you're not punishing yourself. You enjoyed what you had last night or earlier today and that's it. Move on. You don't need to punish yourself for it.
0: Yeah, I think so many of us were in that, that mindset of, well, I, I did this, so I need to do that to, you know, quote, make up for it.
1: Right. I still have to catch myself and make that mental shift.
0: We see that in the fasting community, too, and it can be kind of a slippery slope and a little bit dangerous, not even with the working out, but with the fasting, you know, surrounding the holidays. People will say, oh, I was, quote, bad on Christmas Day, so now I'm going to fast for three days to, quote, make up for it.
1: Right. And it's such a, a mindset we don't want to do. I don't do that with fasting so much, but with the gym, I definitely still catch myself. I have to catch myself
0: with that, right? Because well, you, know, you had that whole coach mindset too for for a while, where you were really focused on the you know no excuses, working out every day. That
1: probably exactly, yeah, that's definitely. I did, yeah, I've never made that connection, but that's definitely probably where it comes from. Yeah. I just never had that. I don't know. I don't know. How
0: would I miss that? I never did. I was never somebody who's like, I'm going to burn it off. <laughs> I never did. Maybe because my mother was just always counting calories and watching what she ate. So I never connected it to trying to get rid of it the other way. I mean, I did some working out here and there, but it never was part of my psyche. But it's the same. It's it's the flip side of the same diet mentality. All right. So I love that you are in a place right now where you're not worried about the scale and you're focused on healing from that diet mindset. Right. Yeah. So how how about your health? Have you seen any
1: positive health changes? The energy for one, I kind of upset because I can't nap anymore. I love my naps, but I can't nap anymore. I never really had high blood pressure or anything like that. So those have always been normal. Um, it's hard to get established with a doctor and keep up with your appointments because we're moving around so much. So it's moving from doctor to doctor. So I haven't been to the doctor in a while. I should probably get to one. Yeah. (laughs) I know the feeling, you know, we, we don't take care of ourselves
0: if we're feeling good. We don't go to the doctor unless there's like a, you know, a reason I get it.
1: Yeah, I haven't really gotten sick since starting intermittent fasting. Maybe a cold, you know, sniffles here and there, but nothing like laying. I have to lay on the couch all day, kind of sick. Yeah. And how old is your son now? Two and a half. He'll be three in June.
0: Oh, that's such a fun age. Yeah. And it's hard. (laughs) Very challenging. (laughs) It is. It is. You know, a lot of young mothers with young children, find that a a theme of struggle with intermittent fasting comes up because they're dealing with food so frequently during the day with their young children. Does that ever become a problem for you?
1: Every once in a while, I'll be like, oh man, I wish I could have a bite of what he's eating. But he's kind of a picky eater too. And sometimes it's very hard to get him to eat. So I guess I just, I don't struggle with, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's not constantly coming to, to me for food. Like sometimes I have to like sit down and like you need to eat. <laughs> and then I'm wondering like in my head, like maybe he's just not hungry and just doesn't want to eat. And I don't want to, you know, like force him to eat if he's not hungry, you know, learning what I've learned now with intermittent fasting. But then I'm like, but he's growing. He needs to eat. So it's kind of like dealing with that has been a struggle for me.
0: I get that completely because you're right. We worry about our kids if we're not seeing them eat because we know they're growing. We know they need it. I have just read and heard over and over again that we really should just let the children dictate when they're hungry. It's so much easier said than done, (laughs) you know, because we're like, come on, eat this, please eat it. But I think ideally – ideally we would be able to relax and let our children take the lead and trust that if we offer the healthy foods, they will eat them or not. We just have them available. And if they're not hungry, right, then they won't eat it. But then later they will. I would like to go back and parent my children again, knowing what I know now, and I would sure feed them differently.
1: Yeah. So that, yeah. So I'm you know, struggle with that. Like the trying to force him to eat. But then it's like, Oh, maybe just listen to you. You know, you take the lead. We don't
0: want to teach them to override the I'm not hungry signal. That's the, the part that that's such a struggle for us. Because we we're like, you got to eat. But you know, if we keep encouraging them to eat, then they learn I got to eat because my mama wants me to eat instead of I need to eat because I'm hungry. So yeah. yeah, but I get it. It's, it's a struggle. But he's, he's happy and healthy. and
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. that's And that's what my mom was like. He's fine. He's growing. He's gaining weight. Like, just stop worrying about it.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, and I, I think that that is what the, you know, the pediatricians, the child development experts would really like us to just offer the healthy foods. And my problem when I was a young mother, I catered to that pickiness more than I should have. And I know that about myself. Like, there was a period of time my older son only ate things that were beige, And I laughed about it, but I catered to it. And I'm like, you know, here's some crackers, here's some cookies, here's some, you know, banana baby food. And I'm like, why did I not make you say here's some carrots, have the carrots when you're hungry? You know, no, I was like, All right,
1: you know (laughs) Yeah, I definitely need to work on offering more healthy me and him our favorite food group is french fries like <laughs> oh yeah my son
0: was eating those beige foods i remember i was at a friend's house i was pregnant with my second and my older one was probably just over a year old and i was at her house and we were eating mcdonald's french fries and she was horrified cuz i like handed my you know toddler this french fry she's like oh my god you're giving him fries i'm like yeah he loves them and i look back now and i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> But he was sitting in the back seat of the car eating his fries. I would hand them back. And that's just what that's just what we did. And I didn't know really any better because I didn't understand the power of nutrition. I just thought, I mean, honestly, I was raised in the whole, you know, vitamin era. You know, you just take a vitamin, eat whatever foods you want, take a vitamin, and, and you'll be fine. And I didn't understand that there's a lot more in those foods than just, just the vitamins. And Gosh, we're just so misled
1: <laughs> how to eat. If only it was that easy to just take a vitamin and then be fine the rest of the day. <laughs> you know, that's what my mother did with me.
0: She was like, all right, you're going to eat the SpaghettiOs. Here, chew this Fred Flintstone vitamin. You're going to be fine. And you're probably way too young. I don't even know. Do they still make those kind of
1: vitamins? They do because I actually just ran out of Fred Flintstone vitamins for my son. So. <laughs> okay see I didn't know but I was I would chew
0: those Fred Flintstone vitamins and (laughs) they were not delicious but they're you know (laughs) that's really funny so anyway there's a book I haven't read it but I've like skimmed through the free you know the they'll let you look at inside this book on Amazon I'm paraphrasing here it's something like French kids eat anything I think I've heard of that book I would recommend you may want to read that one just because I wish if, if I could go back, if that book was out when I had my young children, I would read it because I think it, it's great at promoting our kids not being picky eaters. You know, because you look at kids around the world, you know, the kids over there in Asia eating scorpion on a stick, right? And, <laughs> and my kid's in the back and won't eat anything but French fries. And I'm like, you know... <laughs> We can, we could do it. Now I'm not going to eat scorpion on a stick either. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> Angie's list is now Angie. And we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. It was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to Bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Anyway, this turned into a lot of, of children's stuff, but it's my teacher background. I can't help it.
1: And I, th- I think it's an important conversation to have too, you know, learn from where we kind of went wrong growing up or in our young adult life and do better for them. And really,
0: the whole everything I remember learning about nutrition in elementary school, junior high school, high school, it really just focused on foods as you know, this is how you get your vitamin C, or you can take this vitamin tablet. And it just really, to me, it was like, as long as you get your daily vitamins, I didn't understand that the vitamin C from a, you know, if you eat an orange, there's so much more to it than just, you know, the vitamin C.
1: Yeah, definitely. I don't even think we had like a nutrition class, you know, like maybe we breezed over it in like a health class, but we never spent a substantial amount of time on nutrition. Looking
0: back, I wonder how much time we actually did spend on it because, you know, I remember learning about a few things in elementary school, but for whatever reason, learning about the food groups and the health part of it always is something like I really remember studying that. Maybe I was just always obsessed with it even at an early age because I remember, you know, learning about the food groups and how many you were supposed to have. And I don't know, I've always been interested in it. Maybe we'd we'd spent less time on it and I just remember it because I liked it. That could be true.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember spending a bunch of time on it, but, you know, obviously what they taught, you know, the keep your metabolism up by eating your three meals and snacks a day definitely needs to change what we're teaching.
0: I think so too. And we need to teach kids that real food is different than just the supplements and the food-like products that, you know, I would like to write children's books at some point along the way, you know, because my, my background is a teacher. And I really think that we need to teach the kids because I think we could do it. We could teach them about how real food is different. And then they would let them get involved in it. Let them, you know, they have research that shows that when kids are involved in growing the food or choosing the food or preparing the food, they're more likely to try new things.
1: Oh yeah, Definitely. Because, you know, 100 calories of jelly beans is different than 100 calories of carrots. Like when we're taught about the calorie counting, you know, just eat under 1,500 calories and you'll lose the weight. But if it's 1,500 calories of processed junk as opposed to 1,500 calories of whole foods, definitely makes a difference.
0: And, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but when I was counting calories, it actually made me gravitate more to the processed foods because they were easier to count.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely had the calorie packs. Anything that was easy to count the calories was my go-to.
0: Yep, because the easier it was to count them, the more likely I was to count them. <laughs> and then, you know, that's I was just only eating processed foods. And then, of course, I was starving all the time. Thank goodness for fasting. I will never count anything again. <laughs> and it is Freedom, absolute freedom. Now, is there anything that you struggle with in your
1: daily life connected to the fasting? Not that I can think of, like off the top of my head. I know you ask this question with every podcast, but like I, I really don't struggle with anything that I can think of. That makes me happy. It's just so easy. Like I know, you know, I get hunger pangs throughout the day before I open my window, especially around you know that three o'clock mark. My stomach is like, okay, you usually eat, like, where's the food? But, you know, I just ride those out. It's, it's been very, very simple for me so far, and I don't see it getting harder. Yeah, I think that's important to say. You know the, the part that you mentioned about
0: still having hunger pangs, because people hear us talking about how it's easy to go through the day and we're not hangry, and they think that means we don't have the mild waves of hunger, but we do. We have the stomach grumble. But you learn that that's not an emergency and that it, it's not going to just keep getting progressively worse and worse and worse.
1: Right. Yeah. I definitely in the beginning stages was like, okay, when are these like going to go away forever? But I know now that's it's not going to go away forever. You're still going to have those grumbles, but it's not an emergency. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not a problem. It's just, you just go through it and you feel fine and then you forget about it. I timed my hunger or my growling one time, and it was like really short, just out of curiosity, the scientist in me, I'm like, how long does this feeling last? And it was like under two minutes,
1: and then it was gone. Oh, wow. Yeah. It definitely feels so much longer than that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like,
0: you know, really focused on it, trying to figure out how long it took, but it it was really short. So in your daily life, do you share intermittent fasting with other people or do you keep it to yourself?
1: Um, My family knows. My sister, I think, dabbled with it for a little bit. I'm not sure she was clean fasting, but I know she had like the the Life app on her phone and was doing some fasting. I post a little bit on Facebook about it. I've had a couple people reach out to me about it. Of course, I suggest your book, your podcast, joining the Facebook groups. I don't know if they have kept up with it or are still doing it. My husband does not. I'm trying to gently nudge him. But I know he's not going to do it until he wants to. And getting him to give up the pre-workout like I had to do is going to be going to be a battle if he ever chooses to fast with me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people will ask, how do I get my husband on board? How do I get my wife on board? How do I get my mom or dad on board? And the answer is you can't. You know, you just model the intermittent fasting life, show them how happy you are, live your life. And then a lot of people will say, you know, my husband came downstairs today and said, pour me a cup of that black coffee. I'm fasting just out of the blue, you know, and if they just all of a sudden there they are and they're ready. So we can't make our loved ones do it, but we can just show them what it's like to live the lifestyle and hope that one day they're ready.
1: Yeah. And I think when I start cleaning up my eating, I'm hoping more results will happen and he'll get to see, you know, firsthand second because he was away when I started intermittent fasting. So he was, he didn't get to see like the weight drop that quickly. I mean, he saw it obviously when he saw me in person, but he didn't get to experience the day to day with me and see those changes. He's watching. If he's ready, he'll, he'll
0: do it one day and then you could tell us about it and we will cheer with you. (laughs) My husband, you know, I've talked about before, he does it just for the health benefits and never needed to lose weight. And he just says he feels so much better, not, you know, forcing himself to eat the breakfast every day.
1: Right. Yeah, I was never a breakfast eater, so it was easy to give
0: up breakfast for me. Well, he was. He always, you know, ate breakfast. He made himself eat it because he thought he was supposed to.
1: Right. Yeah. That's. I would force down breakfast because that's most important meal of the day. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then he stopped with that, and then he's like, "Oh, I feel so
0: much better." <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you do. <laughs> well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started?
1: I would tell people for me, research was a big thing. After reading your book, I went on to the obesity code. I went on to watching Jason Fung's like videos on YouTube. Like I would, I just dove into the research and that really helped me When I would see people say, oh, intermittent fasting so bad for you, like you should never do that. Or for women, especially, you should never intermittent fast. So having that research and the science behind it, that really helped me. You know, I dove into your podcast I dove into your other podcasts with Melanie. Those definitely helped me get through any time I might have been struggling So the research was big for me. And the community too, right? Knowing that there are a lot
0: of other people out there doing it and you're not alone.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, I love your Facebook groups. They are so motivating, so supportive. If I'm ever feeling down or, you know, I feel like I haven't, I did, you know, had like a bad window or whatever, you know, that diet mindset, I go to the group to get that burst of positive energy and just motivation from everybody. It's amazing.
0: You know, and even sometimes I, at the end of my window, I'm like, you know, that was not the best window. (laughs) You know, it might surprise people. Sometimes I'm like, I made some really bad choices today. (laughs) But, you know, but you don't feel guilty about it. You just acknowledge it and and you're like, all right, tomorrow I will make a different. Yep. Fast on. Exactly. Fast on. Well, Natalie, it has been wonderful to talk
1: to you today and
0: I look forward to following your progress in the group.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. And I look up to you so much more than, yeah, you're just amazing more than, you know, I think. Well, thank you. I'm just going to be the world's teacher.
0: That's just, (laughs) that's what I am. I'm your teacher and I'm teaching you about it. So anyway, thank you so much, Natalie, and I'll see you around. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at Jen at com, and I'll add you to the lineup.